transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the Mojave. Oh, it sounds like Christmas. Maybe it is. Maybe Christmas has come after all. Those plywood stars with the Christmas lights are up here and there in Joshua Tree. There's some business down the road from the Oracle, a computer repair store or something. I don't know what they do over there, but it's the place where the star stays up all year round. Why go to the trouble when next Christmas time might come again? Twelve or so months from now? The Christmas tree lot is there at the home improvement chain store on the other side of the sewage plant site, only open till dusk in the year of our sorrow of 2017. Oh, they are growing in Yucca Valley. They'd like to anyway. They will eventually. Time for a sewage treatment plant right up against the boundary with Joshua Tree. The Phanopeplas are back, beautiful birds, dark and silky feathered birds. They come here to feast upon that most festive desert plant, the desert mistletoe. The Phanopepla spends all day long in that mistletoe this time of year, eating those red berries. Now those berries might make you high as a kite. You might see God or something worse or just tasting the things might kill you dead. It's a toss-up. But the Phanopepla evolved to deal with these otherwise toxic berries. And maybe that's why they're such cheerful birds. Maybe they see you slogging up the wash with your dog running around with its mouth open and maybe they think... That's nice. I'm fine seeing these other dopey creatures go by. In fact, I will let out a chipper little one-note whistle that will make everybody smile. And sure enough, that is what they do. That is what they do. There's a neat little point atop their head, like you see on a cardinal. Well, like your better-known forest mistletoe, desert mistletoe is a parasite. It grows onto other trees, and around here it mostly clumps up on the cat claw in the dry washes. Mostly dry, anyway. Lots of people park in the wash when there are rain clouds in the sky over those very nearby mountains. It rained last Saturday, and we are all still in a bit of shock with much of coastal California on fire, and no rain predicted out here at all. Not this year. Maybe try again in 2018. Ah, but we love that little bit of rain that we got. Why, just this morning, I saw a couple of rock climbers or brand ambassadors crawling out of their holiday green van conversion, standing there in the dirt in their red long johns and white fuzzy caps and red noses. 
And I thought, or maybe I said out loud, you know, it's funny how these people can't read the clearly posted signs that say no camping and no fires, no overnight parking and day use nature preserve. Well, the Fena Pepla, the name means shining robe in Greek, which is exactly the kind of name we all deserve, even if we don't get it. Well, this bird perpetuates the desert mistletoe by poor digestion, more or less. The mistletoe berries that are not digested are passed through the bird. The bird functions as a pass-through entity. And these berries adhere to the branches of whatever tree, cat claw, or mesquite. They stick to the branches because the seeds have just dropped out of the bird's back end, and it's really a Christmas miracle. It's fantastic. In the Sonoran Desert, in Tucson and Phoenix and such towns, vendors sell desert mistletoe outside the department stores downtown at Christmas time. They used to, anyway. I remember seeing these guys selling desert mistletoe outside Goldwater's department store a while back. Maybe they still do. Phanopepla not included. Well, we're having a little holiday cheer, a little holiday party here at the studios on Antenna Hill. I know there are lots of Marines listening to the program tonight out on the base, aboard the base. I mean, you go aboard the Marine Training Combat Center out here in the Mojave Desert because of the Marines being part of the U.S. Navy, the desert base is, in the Marine Corps view, a ship of some kind, a sand barge. It can be a lonely time, the winter holidays, stuck on base. I know. I mean, I'm not a Marine, but one way or another, I have spent time on the bases in California, here and there, one way or another. Many years back, I mean, back when the first George Bush was president, I worked at an afternoon paper down in Oceanside, and for a time, my beat was Camp Pendleton, that big, beautiful Marine base that is the last open space between the Orange County and San Diego County coastline, between Temecula and the sea. It's beautiful back there. I've hiked it, I've bicycled through it, through meadows of grazing American bison, I've been bumped around like a can of tomatoes and armored personnel carriers going out to training sites. I've ridden choppers out to those big hovercraft coming off the warships. Hovercraft with hundreds of young people just back from the Iraq War. The one back in the early 90s. The grunge Gulf War. And if there's anything that tops... Riding a big Marine Corps hovercraft through the surf and onto the sand, I haven't done it. I haven't seen it. I have bumbled around those hovercraft and tried to ask tough questions of people who were just thinking of getting home, playing some Sega system, heading to the bars, reuniting with girlfriends and wives and husbands and babies, sometimes babies they'd never even seen before. Maybe a couple of pictures have been mailed to the base in Saudi. And by now, that kid might be standing up. 
It was a short war, as such things go, but a lot of these Marines had been out there on the desert sands or ships bobbing around the Persian Gulf for six or nine or twelve months. Some for longer. It makes you think the whole thing was concocted by a couple of oil companies. I have stood outside on a cold December California night with a couple of hundred Marines, mostly young men, but some young women lined up to say holiday greetings into a Marlboro cigarette branded red Christmas card that recorded your voice in those days before mobile phones and email. In those days back when the Department of Defense allowed cigarette companies to distribute cigarette-branded talking Christmas cards on base in view of the local reporters. I've watched young women saying Merry Christmas to their children somewhere far away from Camp Pendleton. I can't imagine the Marine base still allows the cigarette companies to hand out talking Christmas cards or Joe Camel Santa Claus dolls, etc., But as we say about everything else now, give it a few weeks. Anyway, if you're on the base tonight, if you're missing home, maybe wondering where home will be when this part of your life is over, I want you to know that there are people thinking of you tonight. The people listening to this broadcast, the people of 29 and Yucca and JT... The people who have to card you at the bar, even though they'd rather let you in to get a beer and shoot some pool. The people of America, some of them anyway. So, thanks for being out there. I hope you get a decent dinner. I hope you make the romantic best of this part of your life. It is very weird out there, and by out there I mean America and also everywhere else. The whole human world, really, and like in some Will Smith alien movie, I do believe you have the potential to do the right thing at the right time. I believe you will do the right thing when the time comes, when the time is at hand. A time perhaps noted by a Christmas star or some other weird light in the night sky over the desert. I don't know if you saw the news on Saturday, but it has been revealed that the United States Department of Defense has for many years run a secret black budget UFO research program out of the Pentagon. It was the big news on Saturday, the big news in the New York Times. I have often wondered what it would be like when the U.S. government confirmed that unidentified aerial phenomena were real and here we are our friend Jeremy Kenyon Lockyer Corbell the documentary filmmaker at extraordinarybeliefs.com has just returned to Pioneer Town from the mysterious Utah ranch mentioned in that New York Times article. Jeremy, let's get right to it. What we have long known 
is real is now officially real. There is an active UFO program within the United States government, well-funded by the black budgets. Now, Dana White, who's the Pentagon spokeswoman, she confirmed the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. She claimed it ended in 2012. I personally know that to be untrue, and I think that information will be coming out soon. You are just back in Pioneer Town from where? Skinwalker Ranch. Now that is very convenient, Jeremy. What were you doing at Skinwalker Ranch? So Skinwalker Ranch, as we've talked about before on your show, is this location that is known as one of the many uh, global hotspots for anomalous activity, which includes UFOs. It used to be owned by Robert Bigelow. It is under new ownership. And this last trip out there was tectonic. Now, the New York Times mentions the Utah Ranch that Bigelow owns. Has he passed ownership on to another organization or as an individual? In fact, yeah, Bigelow did sell the ranch. This is it, public information if people look. He did sell the ranch, but the new owner uh, wishes to remain anonymous at this time. And there's no way for people, the public in general, to find out specifically who it is. I don't think that's the most important part. However, did you buy I, Skinwalker no, Ranch, Jeremy? You know what? I, I, I was on the cusp of throwing down to be part owner. I mean, <laughs> what an opportunity. Good Lord. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be the Airbnb from hell. That would literally be the Airbnb from hell. However, there needs to be security at the ranch, not just because of the reported phenomenon, but also just because people are trespassing. And that's an area of the world, like out here in Pioneer Town, where you're going to be on the wrong end of, of a shotgun if you, if you start trespassing. This is indeed cattle country, and people take their privacy very seriously. Skinwalker Ranch is a privately owned location, and people may not go there unless invited. We've been doing this work out there for quite some time. I'm following in the footsteps and with George Knapp, who has really laid the foundation for 20 years to be able to report on this. And with the sale of the ranch from Bigelow, we're able to now open this story wide. Our number one goal was to work with current law enforcement, the tribal police, because the reports of phenomenon that occur all around the Uinta Basin, not just the ranch, are so spectacular, we figured a good angle to understand this was to speak with the law enforcement that needed and needs to respond to these events seriously. But for me, the biggest thing about this trip was to finally peel back a layer, and that was to speak with long-term residents, people who lived out there in that area surrounding the ranch, because the ranch is just the most studied area. The entire Uinta Basin is subject to high activity. So talking with people who have lived out there for 30 years or more, this was the most emotional part of the trip. Finally, I got to sit down with somebody I had been speaking with for months and get her on camera. Her experiences mirror the experiences that are reported in George Knapp's and Colin Kelleher's book, 
called Hunt for the Skinwalker. After months of talking about these experiences in a positive light, the moment I clicked record, she had an absolute emotional meltdown. And the question they want answered is, is this paranormal? Is this real phenomena? Or is this some sick and twisted experiment like MKUltra by the United States government? She wants to know. Skinwalker Ranch is a 460-acre parcel. It's in the Uinta Basin. The Uinta Basin is a sovereign nation by the Ute tribe. One of the areas of high activity on the southern end of Skinwalker Ranch is called Bottle Hollow, and it's an area where there's lots of reports, and that's where we were actually allowed, with permits for the first time ever being given out, media permits, to film and to camp in that area. On this last trip, we, we actually were the first ever to get permits again to film and to spend time at a place called Dark Canyon. Dark Canyon is the mouth uh, kind of, of where the, the water flows down through towards the area of Skinwalker Ranch. So they say that the path of the Skinwalker, like any animal, follows that stream or follows that water. So up where we were in Dark Canyon, was known to be more of the home of the skinwalker, which was terribly frightening being out there at midnight. All right, you sent me some pictures from the ranch during your recent trip. One, you're in a pasture or field pointing at what looks like a drainage canal, or I'm not quite sure what it was, but you said this is the center of the recent activity. What what was that picture of and what's going on there? That's just a, a river that basically runs through Skinwalker Ranch. There was a particular area right before Homestead 2. That is an area that is described in the book that George Knapp and Colin Kelleher wrote, where some of the scientists were there and they saw what looked like a geometric porthole that opened up and a creature climbed out of it. Additionally, it's where the original owner of the ranch, when this all started going down, saw the sky split open on multiple occasions, showing a different reality on the other side of that sky and and craft flying out. So that, that photo was essentially showing this path where some of the highest activity occur. I mean, remember, another person mentioned in these articles, it's very important, it's the first American to orbit the Earth. It's former Senator John Glenn. So John Glenn had experiences that he reported to Senator Harry Reid that was also part of the push to take this seriously. And let's just quote Lou Elizondo again here in one of the articles. You know, he makes the point, if a Russian bear bomber comes in near California, it is all over the news. These are coming in the skies over our facilities, nothing but crickets. So his point is that when you have these AAVs or anomalous aerial vehicles, flying saucers coming over nuclear facilities and shutting down, for example, 10 Minuteman intercontinental ballistic missiles like they did when Robert Salas was in command of those missiles, when you have missiles shut down by UFOs, this is an aspect of national security that requires our funding and our attention. These events, they are occurring and have been occurring ever since we've been watching. We're bombarded by so much information on a 
daily basis in the news cycle that it was easy to miss that the Pentagon and the New York Times and the former leader of the U.S. Senate were all declaring on the record that we are not alone, UFOs are real. That is precisely what was said yesterday. It is a message that is yet to have really sunk in. It's going to get much stranger. There's a great mind in this field named Jacques Vallée. Jacques Vallée was a participant in creating the ETH, the Extraterrestrial Hypothesis. He abandoned this hypothesis all the way back, probably in the 1960s, because he realized the data no longer supported that theory, that these craft were simply extraterrestrials visiting from other star systems. What we have learned since the 60s is that this display, this UFO display, that it is much more complex. In the old days, you know, we talked about these entities and these craft in the skies in terms of gods and demons. Are we going to find out that's correct? An advanced technology seen from the perspective of an unadvanced technological society might appear magical and mystical, godlike. There is more often than not some sort of physical, psychological, and spiritual experience that people have with other entities that seem to appear biological and seem to tell a narrative that they are from somewhere else. We have been speaking to Jeremy Corbell of ExtraordinaryBeliefs.com. Jeremy, you've got a movie out right now. Tell us about that one. So that movie is called Patient 17, and it's about an alleged alien implant removal. It is currently on iTunes. My next film will be on Bob Lazar, the cosmic whistleblower. year well maybe you deserve to pamper yourself enjoy the dark skies and relatively quiet nights at our newest holiday vacation rental there is a cabin more or less and probably a toilet And there's a lot of barbed wire and many no trespassing signs. And there is a house you will probably want to avoid because the last people who lived there fled for their lives. Take a trip to the real desert, the real wilderness. Where the people are troubled and so is the livestock. Where the closet doors lock from the inside. Come spend the winter holidays in our very special vacation rental available exclusively through our portal to Hill itself. Please do not bring Christmas trees or any other signs of human joy upon the premises. Children over age five permitted. 
than others. Some years are good for you and bad in general. Some are exactly the reverse and everybody is going to have every combination over the course of their lives if they are lucky enough to enjoy a couple decades or ten. Well, I am happy about a lot that happened this year, and I'm pretty riled up about some other things, but we will continue to try to make it work out, or die trying. What I mean is Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Let's give it a try. Not that we have a lot of alternatives at the ready. If you're looking for something to do after New Year's, come on down to the Ace Hotel in Palm Springs. They have extended our Desert Oracle Campfire Stories Thursday, January 4, Thursday, February 1, Thursday, March 1. Each of those dates being the first Thursday of the month, 7 p.m. around a campfire, and my God, you enjoy it this time of year because it's cold out. Yucca Man and UFOs and murderers and monsters, the desert stories of our strange and unusual land. From Amboy to Zizix and across the Great Mojave Wilderness, this has been Desert Oracle Radio, broadcasting from KCDZ 107.7 FM in downtown Joshua Tree, all over 29 Palms, clear across Yucca Valley. Boy, you can hear it in Kelso when the air's just right. We bring you this program at 10 o'clock on Friday nights, right when you need it most. Thank you for listening. Thanks for letting Desert Oracle spend a little time with you. We're hardly allowed much time to do much of anything of our own with our time, and I very much appreciate you choosing to spend 28 minutes of your week with Desert Oracle Radio. Happy holidays and happy Hanukkah and happy Festivus or whatever you like to celebrate. I call it Christmas because, well, that's that's how they raise me. Not that it matters. So Merry Christmas to you and to yours and to just about everybody else. And good night from the voice of the desert.